Well, welcome to church, everybody. How you doing? Hey, my name's Chris. I'm one of our pastors on staff. Um, if, you're, if you're here with us for the first time, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're watching online for the first time, we're glad that you're here. You know, one of the things that we try to do around here is we try to remain sensitive to what God wants to do in any moment. And that's what we just experienced. We didn't have planned that I was going to walk up here and lead in that moment. We just stay sensitive. Say, what do you want to do today, God? And, you know, when we do that, we often find ourselves in moments where God is moving in really rich ways. And I'm thankful to get to do that. Well, today I get the privilege of kicking us off in a new series that we're jumping into. We're gonna, over the next five weeks, we're going to be walking through a series that we call Grow, taking steps from where we are to where we want to be. And what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be diving into what we here at Antioch call the steps. You know, if you were with us last week, if you saw the message, one of the things that Pastor J.D. mentioned is that one of the things that got lost over the last couple years of being locked down, of chaos happening in our world, one of the things that the, the people of God, the church, our church, lost some of was discipleship of intentional life-on-life discipleship, helping each other grow as being an apprentice of Jesus. In the midst of all that went on, some of that got lost. And and we don't want to lose that. Because one of Jesus' last words to us was go and make disciples of all nations. That includes us. And so we want to be people who are walking with one another, helping each other grow at living out the life of Jesus in the context of what she's called us to. And so we've developed these things based out of what we've seen in the life of Jesus just to put handrails and a framework around it called the steps. And these steps are not just like one step that I take and then I move on. It's not some sort of 12-step program. It is a cyclical process that we walk through in life that we are continually coming back to each and every one of these steps as a process of learning how to walk with Jesus and walk with other people. There are five steps, and over the next five weeks, we're going to go over each one and really practical ways of how do we actually do this day in and day out in our life. Because these are meant to be rhythms of our everyday life. These steps are encounter matter, belong, grow, and build. And we're going to dive into each one in particular. And one of the things I'm really excited about is we're also going to be providing an extra resource for you guys here in the coming weeks. We've written a book, Pastor J.D.'s written a book called Grow that walks through these steps. And it's going to be coming out in the next couple weeks and it's going to be a free resource to you. This is not some book we're trying to get published on the New York Times bestseller list. This is just a resource for our church to dive into so that we can grow together in encountering discipleship and and walking in life with Jesus. And it's going to be a rich thing for you to have in your life and to even go through as your life group together to read as part of your devotion to God and just saying, okay, how can I continue to engage these steps over time so that these become a rhythm in my life that I am really becoming a disciple of Jesus? And we can't wait for you to, to get that into your hands. All right, so today we're going to be talking about encounter. 
What does it mean to encounter God? You know, we've come out of living in the information age. In the information age, what it was, it was, it was a time period in which all of a sudden information became widely available and easily to disseminate. Because of new technologies that came out, internet became available to people, and we lived in this information age where, where stuff was just available to a, a much broader group of people. And many experts have said over the last seven, eight years, we've shifted from the information age to what they're calling the experience age. We've moved from information to experience. And let me tell you what they say that the experience age is defined as. It's people want to be immersed in the story of the experience, creating the feeling of living versus just serving as a bystander. People want the experience of feeling like they're alive. You know, one of the, the clearest ways that we can see this outworking in our society is in social media. I'm not that old. I'm only 40 years old, though my kids will often joke that I'm a boomer because of how I approach different things. Because I was living at the dawn of the creation of social media. They think I'm ancient. And I remember back to when social media first got its legs. I had a MySpace page. That's right. When I was in college, Facebook didn't even exist. It was not a thing. See, those things were, were founded in the information age. You know, my MySpace page would get checked like, not every other minute on this thing. I wouldn't get notifications. It was like a once a week deal where I would post, I don't even remember what we did with MySpace. I think it was about music and something. But you would post like a song that you liked and then go back to it a week later and see if anyone else posted a song that they liked. It was just about a space for you to share information about yourself. It wasn't an experiential thing like things are today. You know, if you wanted information from this newfangled thing called the internet, you would go to Wikipedia because Wikipedia had a lot of words and you could find out all sorts of information about it. Well, now that we've shifted to a different scenario of the experience age, most people don't go to Wikipedia any anymore. If you want to learn about something, you go to YouTube. You go watch someone doing what you want to learn about rather than reading some information about what you're interested in. We've shifted from an information age to an experience age. This is like so common in culture that it's actually become really big business. Forbes just released a study that said the content creator economy is worth about $100 billion a year. And that 50 million people around the world consider themselves content creators. You know, when I was a kid, I played video games. If I wanted to learn about a game I was playing, I had to go to the store and buy a magazine to give me information about that game. Now, if a kid wants to learn about a game, if an adult wants to learn about a game, not trying to bag on any gamers, that... You go on Twitch 
And if you want to learn about a game, you watch someone play the game so that you can have an experience of the game, not just information about that game. Now, here's, here's the problem. This experience age we're living in is actually giving all of us a false sense of what experience is. It's giving us a false sense of what experience is. Really, it's just a new take on the information age. How we're getting our information has shifted. We're not actually experiencing anything new. We're watching it. It's not my experience, it's their experience. It's an illusion of experience. Read the key phrase from that definition about the experience age again. People want to be immersed in the story of the experience, creating the feeling of living versus just being a bystander. Now, I promise this is not going to be my rant of a 40-year-old man against the, how things were better back in the olden days. <laughs> See, I'm actually encouraged by the fact that we've moved from an information age to an experience age. Because what it says about us is that we are hungry for something more than just information coming at us. We don't just want more information. We want an experience. We want an encounter with something. We want it to be real and life-altering. We don't want to just know more. We actually want to experience something. And here's why we want that. Learning sciences have, have told us that growth happens in our lives through observation, imitation, and then innovation. In that order. We grow most effectively through observation, imitation, and then innovation. We grow by taking in information, acting upon it in a framework that was developed for us, and then learning how to make that framework our own. That's how we go, grow. That's how we go from where we are to where we want to be. We have to not just receive information. The last two steps of that are about experience about putting things into action. So what it tells me about culture is we actually want to grow into more. We want to change. And what we've learned is that in order for us to get from where we are to where we want to grow into, we have to have not just more information about stuff. We have to have an experience or an encounter that takes us from where we are to where we actually want to be. See, because what experience, what encounters give us is they stir emotion within us. They create memories. They, what they do is they mark us. They mark us with something that when we smell something, it takes us back to that. When we hear a word, we're triggered and we're reminded of it. That doesn't always happen with information we've just heard given to us. It happens when an experience reminds us of something. We're hungry for these encounters and we're hungry for these experiences because that's how God has wired us to be. He wants to be a God who draws near to us to meet with us so that we can be transformed by him. 
The problem has never been him wanting to draw near. The problem has always been us creating distance. We see this as early as in the New Testament. In, in Exodus 19, what you see is the, the people of Israel who were trapped in slavery in Egypt have been brought out. And they've been brought out and, and Moses is speaking with God and God's saying, I want to meet with my people. I want to draw near to my people. And so he explains to them, this is how I'm gonna meet with you. So this is how I want you to position yourself. I'm gonna come in a really miraculous and, and stunning and kind of scary way. I'm gonna come as a cloud and I'm gonna drop on this mountain and it's gonna be breathtaking and awe-inspiring and a little frightening. So this is how I want you to position yourselves. This is how close you can come. And this is how I, how I want you to pursue me in pre preparation of it. I'm gonna provide you to, some steps to take so that you, your position and your pursuit are setting you up for an encounter with me. God wanting to encounter all of the people. Him drawing near. But their response is often like our response. Look at what happens in Exodus chapter 20. Verse 18, it says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the, the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Rather than having their own encounter, they relied on Moses and believed that his encounter was going to lead to their life change. We have to have our own encounters with God if we want to go from where we are to where we want to be. Listen to what God said to him. He said, God is testing you. He wants to meet with you because you need your own encounter, people of Israel, if, if you're going to stop sinning the way that you're sinning. You need to meet God yourself face to face. Moses meeting God for you is not going to change your life. Hearing someone else's story about what God has done in their life will absolutely be able to stir faith within you. But guys, let me tell you, it is not going to hold you when life slaps you in the face. My story of what God did in me is not gonna help you when life is hitting you hard. It might stir faith in you, but when things get real tough, when you can't sleep at night, when you feel like your inner world is falling apart, what God said to me in my time of trouble will not hold you. Which is why God wants to draw near to you. Which is why God wants to speak to you. Which is why God wants to have an encounter with you. Which is why God wants you to understand the rhythm of meeting with him of not just having wow moments with him, though those are fantastic. I love the, the cloud coming on the mountain moment. But my most significant encounters with God are me and him sitting in my living room. They're quiet moments 
ordinary, everyday moments built out of rhythm and routine of learning how to pursue him and believing that the encounter I need today is gonna help me in my right now. Not just a magical moment that's going to fill me with a real sense of awe. Those are great. We want them. That's why we gather together like this. That's why we lean in and we listen and we say, okay, God, you wanna do something special this moment? Great. I'm thankful for those moments. I've experienced life change in those moments. But my life has been transformed, not because of one moment, but because of a series of moments that I've learned to lean into. See, what happens is when we encounter God, we go from a theoretical knowledge of what he's like to an experiential reality of who he is. And when we have this reality, this understanding of who he is, there are so many benefits that flow out of it. I mean, one of the ones that I see most clearly is when I see, and I have an experiential reality of who God is because I'm encountering him, I know how to see myself more rightly. I'm not, look, the things I look to to help define who am I as a person. You know, as we would say now in culture, to find myself, the best way for me to find myself is to have an encounter with God so that I can see him rightly, so I can let him define what is right and good and true and helpful and wrong about me, rather than letting other voices define what is wrong about me. You know, I had a dream this week where in the dream, there was all sorts of voices telling me, like people, telling me what was wrong with me. And it was a really frustrating and disturbing kind of dream. And I woke up from the dream and I was like, man, that's a bummer of a dream. And it's one of those dreams where you wake up at like four in the morning. And you're like, yep, I'm ready to get back up because I don't want to fall back into that dream. So I'd just rather be up earlier than I want to be because that dream stinks. And I woke up and I was like, okay, God, what do you want to say to me about this? And he said, hey, just be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're listening to because who you listen to will tell you who you are. Those voices will tell you who you are. It's just a simple reminder for me. Be careful who you're listening to. Listen to me, have an encounter with me so that you gain clarity on who you actually are. Having an encounter with God, not just more information about God, is what leads us in the process of being transformed. Jesus illustrated this in John chapter five. Speaking to the religious leaders, Jesus said in John 5, 39, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Let's be crystal clear. We are Bible people. Here at Antioch, we're Bible people. We love the Bible. What Jesus is not saying is that don't be Bible people. It's not what he's saying. He's saying be Bible people expecting that this thing is going to point you to me. Read the scriptures believing that they're alive, that the word of God is alive. It's a double-edged sword. It has the ability to pierce us 
to awaken us, to open to us. It's full of wisdom and insight for our very today. So read the scriptures believing that I'm not just gonna encounter some words on a page. That I'm not just gonna get some historical text or some good poems and some stories. But I'm going to encounter the living God. That's what Jesus is saying. You read the scriptures so that you can find my life in them. You read the scriptures so that you can have an encounter with me, so that you can understand me, so that you can know me, so that I can be alive and real and I can speak to your today and how to respond, how to love well, how to sacrifice, how to encourage, how to be strengthened. Seek me as you engage in these things as you engage in good spiritual practices of learning how to walk with Jesus, seek me and expect that you're gonna find life there because I have an encounter for you in those things that's actually going to leave you. I don't want you to just get information. I want you to experience me. You know, encounters are hard to describe. If you've ever had a an encounter with God or an encounter with something amazing, it's hard to describe. You know, last year, my wife and I, Christy, went to Arizona. And for the first time, I went to the Grand Canyon. And it was just breathtaking. And I was sitting with one of my sons a couple weeks ago and showing him some pictures and how I wanted him to take him with me to go see this. And the look on his face was like, okay. Looking at the pictures, I'm like, how do you not get this? This place is amazing. And no matter what I said, it couldn't quite help him feel the feeling that I felt in seeing that. Encounters for us are so often, when you've had an encounter with God, trying to explain it to somebody can often feel incredibly frustrating. Because you're like, how do I put into words this thing that I've experienced that you don't experience? How do I help you feel this thing that is so multi-layered in my soul? How can I bring you into that? See, talking about encounters without having an encounter is really difficult. And every one of us are gonna have different encounters. There is no like standard formula for an encounter. For some people, when you have an encounter, it's gonna have some physical manifestations. You may cry. You may jump. You may shout. For others, it'll be way more internal. You'll feel a sense of, and you'll probably experience both of these. You'll feel a, a sense of peace in your soul. You might feel like it's an intellectual thing, like a light bulb just clicked on. Like some puzzle pieces just came together. There is no formula for how an encounter is supposed to look. But what I have seen is some commonalities that help us be set up for an encounter. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Is what are these commonalities that help us be ready for an encounter each and every day? And these things are the position that we take and what we pursue. And honestly, I hope I have time to get to both of them. But we're going to at least get to position today. When it comes to position, what I'm 
not talking about is like your body posture, though that can be helpful. What I'm talking about is the state of our hearts. Am I coming open-hearted to God with an expectation that he's going to move. And in culture today, we call it being open-minded. But it's this sense of recognizing that I don't have all the answers, that there are problems that I don't know the answer to, there are situations that I don't know how to figure out. There's a need that I have that I can't meet on my own. And so I have to come, take the position of someone who is aware of their need and expecting God to come and meet that need. There's a simple way to just come before God and say, I need you to come and meet me because there are things I'm aware of that I need and there are also things that I'm not aware of that I need. And you know what I need and you want to come and meet me in that place so that I am changed and I can actually go from where I am today to where I want to be. See, remember, encounter is where it all starts. When we find ourselves stuck in life, when we find ourselves stuck in purpose, when we find ourselves stuck in a relationship, what we need is not some sort of program to pull us out. What we need is an encounter with God that is going to help us have something met within us that is then going to help us take steps. To think that we can move ourselves from where we are to where we want to be is one of the great lies of our age. There are no self-made people. We are all broken, weak, and in need. And when we forget that, we don't actually end up where we want to be. We need God to come and meet us where we are. There's a story in Luke chapter 5 that I believe illustrates this. Luke chapter 5, beginning in, in verse 1, says, Jesus was standing near the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were out washing their nets, meaning they had finished fishing for the day and they were ready to go home. So he got in one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, who is later going to be called Peter, the Apostle Peter. And he asked him to push out from shore, and he sat down and he began to teach from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. You can imagine Simon's annoyance. I fished all night long, and here this carpenter slash preacher is now t telling me, a probably fifth generation fisherman, how to go fish. Simon answers, we've worked all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they had filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He and his companions were astonished at all they had done. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on, onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now there's a bunch we could grab from this story. You know, but some of the things that I immediately see 
is that Peter's position allowed him to have this life-altering encounter with God. His position, that, that meant he showed up. If you want to have an encounter with God, you've got to show up. See, Peter, what did it look like for Peter to show up in that moment? It meant that he let Jesus on his boat. It wasn't Jesus' boat. It would have been very easy for Peter to say, hey, get out of my place of work, man. What are you doing? I'm, I've just put in a full day. Why are you trying to show up at my work? It would have been very easy for him to say, look, man, I've got a full schedule of things to do. I've just worked a full day. It wasn't even a very fruitful day. I'm actually really frustrated. I'd like to get home, figure out something to eat because I've got other things to do, Jesus. But he showed up. He showed up and God was able to do something. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we showing up? God's ready to step into every boat that we find ourselves in. The boat of work, the boat of home, the boat of parenting, the boat of relationships, the boat of school. God's ready to step into those boats. Are we willing to let him into that boat? Are we willing to say, okay, God, yes, you can be here. Or are we gonna be like the people of Israel and say, ah, let's stay at a distance. This is, this is my space, my personal space here, God. I need at least three feet of personal space here, God. Don't get too close. We gotta show up and we gotta let God into those spaces. Let him come. Let him speak. Let him encourage us. It's important that we show up. Show up in moments like this. I'm, I'm glad you're here. When you show up in a moment like this, when you show up to church, when you show up to life group, when you show up to an encounter night, when you show up to a coffee with a friend in a hard place and they're needing a word of encouragement, God can show up in those moments and he can do something real. He also wants to show up in your, in your mornings, in your evenings. He wants to meet you where you are. He wants to, to, to come and to speak to you because he can speak a simple word that may not make sense to anyone else, but it'll mean something really deep to you. See, we've heard what Jesus said to Peter so many times that we think it makes sense now, but what Jesus said to Peter is weird. From now on, you will fish for people Excuse me? We think it, it makes sense to us now. But picture yourself there on the shore. Not being a fisherman. One of the crowd. And you hear this carpenter preacher say, from now on you will fish your people. You'd be like, what? That's weird. But for Peter it wasn't weird. For Peter, it spoke to right where he was. Can you imagine that every time Peter, for the rest of his life, saw someone else fishing, it took him back to that moment. Every time he picked up a pole or a net, I didn't know if he had a pole back then, 
But every time he stepped back out on the water to fish, it brought him back to that moment, that moment where God showed up in his life and spoke a word to him that would then carry him for the rest of his life. Imagine Peter on the run for his life after Jesus has died. And he goes back to that moment. From now on, you will fish for people. The thing I love about it so much is it was just an everyday moment for Peter. We've blown it up to be this huge, grand thing. No, Peter was just at work. He was actually at the end of a frustrating day where it hadn't gone well, where things stunk. And God showed up and spoke a word that carried him. You know, a few years ago, I was in a, uh, just a difficult season in my work. I'm a pastor of this church. (laughs) You know, and it was a number of years ago and just the years had piled up and I was struggling. It was like, am I any good at this? Am I fruitful at all? Am I just not a great pastor? Do I need to do something else? And it was a season where I was just the accumulation of situations and circumstances and internal world were piling up and I was like, I need to be done. This is not good anymore for me. I feel like a failure and I need to just quit. And I remember spending time with God one morning trying to just do this, trying to just create some space for God to speak. And it was hard because I got four kids who go to three different schools and they have to be up at 6.20 in the morning. And so for me to get quiet, alone time with God means I got to get up way earlier than any human should. And so I'm trying to sit there and let coffee wake me up enough so that I can hear God in the midst of the frustration that I'm feeling on the inside and the desire to just quit. And I just feel this sense of God saying, hey, go read Matthew 16 again. And Matthew 16 is a word that, a passage of scripture that has meant a lot to me in life. About 20 years before this, God had used that scripture from Matthew 16 as a way of just saying, hey, I want you to give your life to building the church. I want you to be in ministry. And it had carried me for a season, but I had now gotten to a season where things were hard. And so God said, go read it again. And in that moment, I was reading it through. And God said, I've, you still got this. You can still do this. I'll be with you. It was a simple word from a passage I had read probably hundreds of times. You know, but that was late 2019. What I didn't know was going to come was a few months later, we would experience the most chaos I've ever experienced in my life, especially in doing the work that I do. Things were about, I thought things were hard before, Things were about to get wacky. 
And I needed a fresh word from God to hold me through the season. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to that. I don't remember everything about that moment, but I can remember the nearness of God's presence. I can remember him being with me. And it has helped me through some tough days over the last few years. And it was just an everyday moment. Here's what I know to be true. Is that there are some situations that feel overwhelming to you in this room. Some of them feel overwhelming because they feel like they might crush you. Because they're heavy and they're a real troublesome burden. Some of it's just new. You're trying to navigate new life in a new season. Experiencing new things. And what you need is a fresh encounter with God. What you need is God to speak to that situation. For God to give you a simple word. For God to show you a simple truth. For God to highlight a a line from a song. A verse from the scriptures. For God to, to come and draw near to you in a way that marks you so that you can keep walking, so that you can keep going. And your position sets you up to receive that from God. Why don't you guys stand with me? Hey, your position here today has set you up for God to meet with you. God wants to draw near to you right now and he wants to give you something for what you're walking through. Not everybody's walking through something hard, but God still wants to give you something that's gonna help you in this season. And here's what I know to be true. When we position ourselves to receive from God, he will always draw near and give us what we need. I don't know what you need and that's okay because the living God is in this room. And he sees exactly what you need. And so we're just going to create a little bit of space here. And your position has already set you up for him to come meet with you. And as we worship, it may be a word from the song. It may be a scripture that comes to mind. It may be the sense of his presence drawing near. But God is going to give you a fresh encounter for what you need today. God, we thank you that you are faithful. You're faithful to meet with us every time we draw near. And so we just do. We position ourselves before you and say, Holy Spirit, we need you to draw near to us because we need you. We need a fresh encounter with you. So we position ourselves in a place to receive what you have for us. Whatever it is that is going to help us now, would you come and give it to us?